0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Ed3 podcast video blog. We're not sure what it will be, but I'm Scott Meyer, and I'm really excited to welcome Surge back, previous guest. And one thing we have realized is how fast things are moving in the education innovation space and wanted to just find time to to chat frequently with Surge about what's going on. So welcome, Surge. Hope everything's going well.
1: Yeah, everything's good over here in London. Really excited to be sort of doing weekly conversations and getting a bit more into these topics. So much like alignment that we have and seeing very similar things in the space. So yeah, let's pick it pick it apart, see what we can find in there.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, things are moving so fast it's good to kind of talk through it a little bit organic. And obviously the big topic this week it has been AI, the release of GPT four, awesome. mid journey five. And I think the the question I'd love to throw your way is just how do you see this actually? intersecting with education beyond just the obvious like kids are going to use this for papers like I think it's a much deeper change so I'm curious how you see this kind of influencing things
1: sure so I think there's like two major parts that I'm witnessing there's the kind of fear around what this means for education and a bunch of myths I think would need to be dispelled as people get around the the curve of oh this is going to take my job or How, what will this mean for student outcomes and the exams? And then there's also this other huge side, which is all about what can we do with it and what's this going to mean for learning? How will learning and the teacher student relationship look different? And uh, I'll start with that side first. I think the first thing, (laughs) yeah, let's start with the good news. I think the frame I tend to come at this with is that we are all slowly being augmented. Ever since we had iPhones in our pockets, we've been living in super history meaning we've been able to see further back in time and further forward in time than any like human has been able to on the planet so this is uh, this is different google was super history to us before but now we're interacting with the whole combined corpus of human knowledge just a chat bar away right and so we're learning how to sort of swim in super history and this is helping us. That frames come from Ralv Venkatesh's work. I think this is kind of how he thinks about not giving too much weight to superintelligence. You know, AI is not superintelligence. It's one way to think about it. Another way to think about it is that it is superhistory, that it's it's seen all of history, it's seen the whole human corpus, and it's just giving you sort of predictive things after that. So that's one thing. I think living in superhistory means that your idea-to-reality process is being opened up. You have a bigger aperture to turn ideas into reality. And we're seeing this with like people. I made a video on like recording your voice, which turns into code and recording your, or just typing and getting like a, the website copy and code built for you in seconds. You know, we, we're human. Humans are basically idea to reality machines and ChatGPT mm-hmm. and AI is, is making this way easier to do. And it makes the life of the educator different. They're not the just like sort of the funnel the bottleneck of information to the young person they can be a coach they can be a, a mentor they can be a you know lean into sort of career support all these kinds of things so it opens up a new sort of side of humanity which i think teachers get to invo- get involved with now
0: yeah yeah i love the i've been thinking about it as you know how ai really raises the floor and i still feel like the ceiling you have to go do right to be unique to make something that is different than the corpus right like you have to have that coach or teacher to push you but for all of us to become b-level essayists or illustrators or whatever like that's maybe now in reach and i love the idea of like all of us can imagine images in our head and a lot of us like myself i can't like make that happen with my hand and it's pretty fascinating to think what if we can now take what's in our mind and just make it exist, right? That, like, idea to to reality is, like you said, so fast. So I'm curious, like, what you think about what a learning environment looks like. You know, I think one thing that's been on my mind, looking at ChatGPT and how you just have this prompt is, like, you don't have to have linear education. Like, it's really adaptive learning for the masses, like, for everybody. You don't need expensive software. You don't need, like, a special setup like people have done. Like, how do you kind of see... Like what does a class look like in this age? Yeah.
1: I think there's two th- things to hit on here. One is some really great work by Alpha School. Alpha School are kind of loosely they're in Austin. and that's a real example of where I think sort of classroom practice is shifting based on the way that education is unbundling. I mean, the other thing I want to hit on is the work that we do at Wild Learning Sciences and the teacher trainings that we've been doing for preparing the new breed of educator. We believe that yeah, that relationship between teacher, teachers and students is gonna look very different. And I can speak to sort of yeah, what exactly teachers might want to be trained in to support this and what's happening in the classroom now, right? Mm-hmm. So out for school do some really cool stuff. They basically create an adaptive LMS of the national or state-level curriculum, I forget what it is, in in Austin. Their students basically do two hours a day in this adaptive LMS, just repeatedly. Going through past exam questions, if you want to base the exams, that's what you do. You reverse engineer them and you do as many exam questions as you can. That's kind of like a known thing. So they've unbundled the the traditional curriculum in such a way that if you just do a couple hours of of that in the morning with someone who's a facilitator and can see when you get stuck on a problem for too long, you can just raise your hand and say, "I'm having problems with problems with this maths puzzle or this maths question. Can you help me out? And they'll come over. So the role of the teacher is already different there, right? Because the the young people are just like doing puzzles and quizzes um, and past paper and questions and just getting it done. And then the rest of the day, they're doing projects and speaking to industry experts. They're, you know, making video games and building a portfolio. They're doing all the great stuff. And Alpha School managed to do this by and still deliver on like 2X outcomes, which means that they do the national curriculum in like half the time, just on two hours a day. So that's one like concrete example of how, The classroom is different, just with an adaptive LMS, and that basically frees up a bunch of time for young people to do stuff, right? And so, what are they going to do in that in that time? How can teachers support? I think teachers are shifting from the bottleneck of knowledge and information. You know, previously they were the mouthpiece at the front of the classroom, and the competencies, the sort of skills and competencies that we train educators now at Wild are three things. The first is to notice and speak about their own self-leadership in terms of learning power. So can I speak about how I'm evolving as a learner to achieve the goals that I want to. Can I do that about myself first and what's blocking me from doing this in this language we call learning power. And then can I help other people to think about themselves in terms of learning power so that they can develop self-leadership basically. Mm -hmm. So self-leadership is the first thing, like, can I notice this in myself? Can I support someone else to do this and like remove the blockers for self-leadership. Second piece is learning relationships. So. As a young person, it's really great when I'm connected to mentors and coaches and facilitators, people in industry, people older than me, mixed age groups. And then as a teacher, that's now my responsibility to build that web of support around a young person. Um, So that's the second thing we train educators to do is to say, cool, you have a goal, you have a project, you're trying to get into this university or this industry. Great, I'll find all those people for you and scaffold them around you, make introductions, that kind of stuff. And the th- final piece is basically systems thinking and complex problem solving. So systems thinking is generally regarded as like a sub-discipline of engineering, but it's more of a way of thinking about concepts, information, knowledge, people, and the relationships between them. And so it's a way of looking at the world rather than just like a sub-discipline of engineering. And so if you're helping young people to make sense of the world through systems thinking, they're getting deeper understanding of the world and the nuance of like the relationships between the knowledge and the people that they're meeting. And then you're also assisting them to be able to be complex problem solvers because they can start to see the dynamics at play um, between, you know, maths applying to some problem they see in their community, like, I don't know, food shortage or or like a flooding or something. They can make these connections for themselves, right? So those are the three things I think educators need to get skilled up on. So, and let the AI basically do all the content. Like you said, it just comes... freely to them.
0: It's interesting to think, you know, there's teacher shortages, people not going in the field. Like it's interesting to think about teachers as coaches and maybe I don't need to go learn, you know, government or social studies as like a discipline, right? Instead, I can focus on social emotional learning, on mentorship, on like kind of the stuff that teachers are now being like thrown on top of their normal job, right? Like you're also a counselor, you're also nutritionist, you're also like, a friend, like whatever else it is, it's like maybe those can just be the thing, right? That's that's kind of fascinating to think about, and that maybe maybe that opens the field up to to more, you know, more people. Um, I've been thinking a lot about because we, you know, I do a lot of online classes, and just like I'm a big fan of nonlinear classes and so more adaptive. but I'm even now feeling like maybe the course is not the right package that we put learning into, and instead, it literally is like. I don't know if it's the search bar or if it's prompts, right? Like I want to get into college or I want to learn more about the second world war. And like, there's just essentially, you're giving them the starting point of like, here's a question to start with. And then it rolls out from there. And you have, you know, embedded marks of achievement, like standards that you've learned, like I can prove I have credential, micro credential. I learned this one thing, but it almost comes up like organically, like a gold coin in Mario, right? Where like, I'm asking questions and diving in and all of a sudden i get like a an xp because i now like learn something that's on the test in two months or whatever without even knowing i was going to i think i mean just the format is fascinating i know um i was watching it like khan academy's ai release that they had i thought it was fascinating because it you know it, it's a tutor and but what did they have is a system prompt which basically means they're telling the ai tool how to respond and the system prompt is obviously telling the ai not to give answers right so it It's asking questions rather than giving answers, which is what good tutors do. So it's kind of fun to think about, you know, we're just starting this and it doesn't have to look like a robot telling you everything you need to know. Like it can really be custom. So yeah, I'm fascinated by that. I also had a a really great conversation with Cortland. I forget Cortland's last name, but he's working on kind of an AI tool for for K-12 and college. And he was talking about, you know, the Aristotle tutor days. We know it created genius and it works. But when we wanted to make everyone literate, like that's where industrial education came in and we created a system so that the floor again was raised. And if we think about AI as the Aristotelian, I I can never say that word right, but the uh, the right tutor, that's pretty fascinating. So we have like the baseline, everyone's going to be literate. You're going to learn the things you need to survive. And you get this one-on-one where they actually care about what you care about and drive you towards that. So I don't know, how do you think about kind of that tension, I guess, of like bringing this personalized element into a system that's not built to be personalized.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I, I think this is sort of... Really, the way I think about it is that a lot of learning that has been happening in the public education sphere, and even all the way into sort of the mid swath of, of university court, it, it, it's kind of abstracted too far, or not quite in line with sort of human ways of approaching the world. It kind of makes mm-hmm. humans more like robots or just memory thing. You know, it's good to remember stuff. What I think AI is allowing us to do is basically sort of move back in line with more sort of natural processes of how we, how we approach the world and more in line with the actual cognitive science around how human cognition works. You know, there's this whole tension of saying, Or we've we've done all the research and we know like a ton of things are better to do in education. We just don't do them. And so we've kind of been veering away from the research over time. And I think AI is like allowing us to say, look, like as a human, one way you can learn is bookish knowledge. You can get that school knowledge and you kind of need that. We have some recipes which are really good that if you just follow, you'll get the the floor. You'll get the English and the maths, you know, the the basic literacies. I think Montessori education is great for this. Like send your kids to a Montessori school. They'll get this stuff like two years earlier and they'll do it in a cool, cool environment. with very thorough pedagogy. And, and then after that, give them a bunch of meta skills, give them a bunch of things that help them engage with this more sort of like aristocratic, interdisciplinary, open-ended learning, which is basically, you know, you, as a human, you walk into the world and you have choices and chaos in front of you and you need to turn chaos into order, some mental models. It really depends on like how quickly you can turn those mental models into something that you can then draw analogies with and say, okay, great. Like I can make sense of the world, like basketball moves here, kind of like the executive team. And I've got an insight and then I'll act on that insight. And then also like deepen that understanding by saying, okay, well, I can explain what I've just seen and the model that I've just made by like converging at it it from multiple angles and explaining it. Like someone tries to make a proof of math's proof of, of certain math's equation. They have to proved from multiple angles and this is deepening understanding right so we're moving back in line to say ai will help humans do this make sense of the world make analogies between things and innovate act on those insights and then deepen their understanding rather than doing bookish knowledge which is kind of ab- abstract and weird and goes on for way too long into a human's life right yeah uh, so floor and then meta skills and just go for it right like make sense of the world with, with well it's tools. like
0: the thing i'm loving is essentially we're saying that Robots will make us more human, right? Like we have actually become robots. And by bringing the robots in to do that kind of like heavy lifting, we can be, yeah, we can enjoy the things that make us unique as humans. And it really reminds me of the, I think I saw a tweet. I just love this, that, you know, literacy is now the most important skill. We've spent decades diving into STEM. We need to learn this STEM stuff. And now we're here at this moment where, The most important skill you can have is good use of language. Right. (laughs) And I think that's fascinating that the coding language of the future is English. Right. And that's really exciting that it makes it accessible, but also it probably forces us to think how do we actually learn to speak and read and think more clearly? So then the robots can do the work for us. Right.
1: And it gives so much more weight back to the quality of your thinking and the quality of your Mm. speech. And you know the things that you've read, you know these, it's rehumanizing us in this interesting way. And maybe this is a segue into like the the this is sort of dark side of of AI, right? Like where everyone's going. Oh no, it's it's gonna do all these bad things. I feel like one thing I'm noticing is a bunch of educators getting very scared, understandably, that this thing is gonna dehumanize us, and that we will do robotic things or like automation will make us just robots or something. Um, and this is very odd. It's kind of like teachers are saying, no, don't give me this thing, which frees up all my time to go and like be a coach and a mentor and a friend to a young person. I want to keep doing bookish work. That's repetitive. It's very, it's really strange to me to like hear that conversation, but I mean, I can understand it because that's all they've known and that's all that their world is. And these are the outcomes you need to deliver on or you don't get your salary. Right. That makes sense. But I think that's the tension we're seeing is is people saying, my job, my career, my everything hinges upon delivering on these outcomes. And we don't have assessment to say, to measure this more like wild learning that's happening, you know, in the wild. And so people are getting scared and confused and banning it across cities and campuses, right? (laughs) Right. Well,
0: it'll be fascinating to see how that goes. So, well, this is a great conversation. You know, I think we'll do this each week, kind of an Ed3 unplugged, less prepped and more organic. And I think we'll touch on more timely topics. For anyone listening, thank you. You can always subscribe at Ed3.gg/slash join. So that's Ed the number three.gg. You can find us on YouTube and, of course, your favorite podcast player. You'll be hearing more from Serge and other guests. So we would love to have you share what else you want to learn about and topics you might want us to jam on. And Serge, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for sharing some thoughts today.
1: Awesome. Looking forward to the next week, man.